Thank you. Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you're willing and able to touch us and that you want to, God. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your love, and I thank you for Jesus. For you are awesome and all-powerful. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I have to share this. It's in Revelations. Jesus is so awesome. I was reading last night, and um, God showed me something about when the angels were speaking to the churches. Um, and I got to, I think it's seven churches, right? I got to the sixth church and that's, that's the faithful church. That's, uh, Philadelphia. Um, that's the church that we should try and aspire to be. Um, but that church is a church that has doors open to them by God, meaning no man has his hand on it. So it got me. I was very interested. So this may take two classes, um, given because I won't teach very long this class. I'm going to talk to you about the first church, and then we're going to go through all the churches. Um, because you can evaluate your life. You know the Word of God is a mirror. So if you look at the Word of God, you can either recognize yourself or you won't. And if you don't recognize yourself, you're not who you're intended to be in Christ when you look at this. So I love it because the churches kind of break down a lot of the things that we go through in life when following Christ. So the first church, the first church, and I know we've all been here. In the Bible, in this, in the King James, New King James, it's described as the loveless church. So if you got your Bible, it's Revelations 2, 1. Through seven, and I'm going to read it. And right before that, it describes to you what the lampstands are and the golden lampstands. Hold on, I'm going to find it. And the seven stars. Okay, I'm sorry. It describes what the lampstands are and the stars are, yes. And the stars are the angels of the churches, and the lampstands are the churches, okay? I'm not a theologian. I'm not a theologist. Um, I have no degree in divinity. It's just purely what the Lord kind of taught me over the course of a day. So it says, to the loveless church, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So God has, Jesus has the angels in his right hand, meaning under his power, under his rule. And he walks in the midst of his churches. Then he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. <laughs> Anytime you hear the Lord say he has something against you, you might want to tighten up. 
He says that you have left your first love. Now, we hear about this church all the time in church, right, about leaving your first love. This is not based. This is like basic to us from hearing this. So I won't really say anything that's very different to that, but it's a description of how it is when you leave your first love. So how many people really remember the first time they encountered Christ? Encountered Christ. First time you had that touch. You will get baptized. So I remember my first time encountering that love. I was in the basement. Not weird because anything can happen in the basement, but I was working uh, for a, a logistics company. It's called CIS Central Issuing Facility. Uh, Central Issuing CIF Central if Issuing Facility is for the Army where they give out all the equipment. And there was this man that was deployed, and he, I was maybe 15, 14 at the time, and every day he would come to work. A rough dude, a dude that seen a lot of, and essentially hell in war. And he would just talk to me about God. Um, and there was a lot of seeds planted. He said, you're going to have an encounter, and God's going to break you down. This is not verbatim, but this is how I remember it. And he wasn't there at work this day. I came in early, and my boss sent me downstairs to get some equipment or stuff. And as I'm walking down, now these are World War II because I was living in Germany. Um, so already, your boy was running down like, oh, I don't want nothing crazy to be down here. But, you know, I walked, and before you knew it, I was on my knees, and I was just crying. And every moment, I would try to get up because, you know, the way they would have racks that roll because you can put much more stuff in. I would try to get up. The presence would just come down heavier on me. So I'm crying. I'm 15, 14. I don't know how old I am. I'm crying. Can't really leave because, you know, at that age, you're tough. You don't want nobody to see you crying. And uh, I get up, I walk down the road to go back to the office, and I see my friend, Valerie, and I cover my face. I'm like, I don't want her to see me, but I got all these tears coming down. I go to my office. Luckily, the woman was a Christian, and she understood what happened. And my mom worked five minutes across the road, and um, she says, see, not my mom, my boss, what happened, CJ? And I was just like, uh, I felt God crying. And she was like, praise God. Now go tell your mom. <laughs> And my mom and my dad at that time wasn't together physically. So I ran to my mom's office. My mom's crying. She calls my dad, puts him on the phone. She says, CJ, tell your dad what you experienced. It was crazy. I left this part out, but that happened twice. First time I went up, I didn't want to talk to anybody, so I kind of hid, but then I went back down, and it happened in the exact same spot. It's like he planted that moment for me. I'll never forget that. And, I, and that's why I always tell people, People who haven't had an experience or an encounter with God, they can always try to make small or disassociate or make null and void the word of God or that God exists or that he's real. But they, what they can't take away or make void is your experiences. They can't say that it didn't happen. They weren't there. They, they just can't. And who can tell you what you've experienced? Okay, so that's the loveless church. But listen to this. They lost their first love with Christ. Did I finish the whole thing on that? Okay. They said, you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who said they are apostles and are not. You have persevered and had patience. Nevertheless, you have this against you. You've left your first love. The first love is what you experience when you first encounter Christ. 
and it like pushed you to like to change. I don't want to live that way anymore. Remember, therefore, where you have from, where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the de- deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has ear, has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes I will give, to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What kind of got me on this, everybody talks about, I even talked about one of the letters to the churches in here before, but we always focus on falling from your first love. I see a lot of ministers do. I don't know if anybody's ever written this down or really went into depth, but I did my best as a non-scholar to become a scholar today. So this is what I got. This is the first church. They were loveless. They lost their first love with Christ. And God gave them instructions. Jesus gave them instructions. And this was what their instructions were. So I want you to use this as a mirror. If you had an encounter with God and you left that encounter, or that, love, that, that first encounter that you had with God prompted you to do things, and you've left those things. Use this as a mirror. Okay? The instruction, here's the first instruction. Repent. And then the second was, do the first works. Okay, now do we talk about this? I know we hear about repenting, but do we do the first works? And this is what repent means. To change your mind, your thinking. Okay, now. What areas do you need to change the way you think? All right, now, when you've experienced the love of God, how do you feel? When you worship, right? When you enter into God, we go to this place. I've talked about this before. You feel almost, in a sense, I don't want to say it the bad word, but it's invincible, right? You can almost feel untouchable. But it's like a holy untouchable because, you know, God has you covered, right? What areas do you need to change the way you think? That first love is what you experience right there where God has consumed you, and every fear, every doubt, every worry has left your soul. What areas do you need to repent and change the way you think? Right? I, I had this revelation. I visited my brother in Arizona, and I had this, man, I came to Kingdom of Life, man, you, you know, this is all I know. I came here, and I was experiencing such love that my faith shot through the roof. And God set it up for Satan to set me up for that faith to be destroyed. What do we call it? The, the setup or the, the setup for the setup? I believed for any and everything. I had no money. I just, all my bills were going to be paid and I was going to be debt free. Had no job, none of that stuff. That's like faith that I had. We should all, that's like common faith to us now, but I mean, for somebody who just encountered that love, I was riding that. And the Lord showed me that through one instant, my faith was broken and it was shattered. And then through occurrences of a failure, it allowed my faith to be beaten lower and lower and lower. Okay. So I had to change. I think I had to go back to where faith caught me in that first love experience. Because I had another love experience here. We have them all the time here. But I mean, when I first came, I, have, I had never experienced the way I've experienced it. So what Areas, do you need to change the way you think? Do you need to change the way you think about your money? Do you need to to stop asking people for money? Do you need to stop 
uh, you know, asking people to do things for you and believe God is going to do it for you. You need to believe that God can do the impossible. Literally, the impossible. What are some things that you don't think God can do? I mean, excuse me, what, is, what, is, what, is, what are some things that you do not think can be done? And can you believe for them to be done? We just talk about debt in this place. Who wants to get out of debt? It's be completely free of man. No matter when or how you got into it. Don't matter who would like. Your mind, can't, the natural mind can't comprehend the spirit, the, thing of the, the things of the spirit. But the things of the spirit is the word of God, which says that we are to be debt free. And God will cancel all those things because we have been led into freedom. We have been conferred into the kingdom of light. All right. Okay, so in this case, for this church, we should, if we have this attitude, we should change the lax attitude about what we feel or what we'd encounter with God, which is salvation. I'll say it again. For this case, for this church, we should change our lax attitude about the first works to salvation. Salvation is a whole word, right? But let's just go to it. So who all encountered Christ and then the first thing they wanted to do was tell somebody about what they encountered? But nowadays, we can have an encounter every day, but we won't necessarily share it. But we should share it. It's a lax attitude. What we receive from God is, is really for others. So we need to change our mind because that first love, you can have a first love experience every day. You wake up in the morning, had a first love experience just a few minutes ago. And worship seriously. You can feel God. I, 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 there's this thing that's happening where I can really feel God, like, in a sense, embracing me. But it's not a human embrace. As if my whole body is, is, is caught. I don't want to call it a bubble, but kind of like a bubble. And I'm just, in, I'm just in his love. So we need to change the way we think about. So if we need to evangelize, and the word says everybody's an evangelist, or they, everyone can do the works of an evangelist. Everyone's not an evangelist. Okay? Um, if you need to teach, some of y'all have great revelation, great understanding on the Word of God, but you may not be sharing it with the people. You may just be sharing it with like-minded Christians, but it needs to go to the other people. All right, do the first works. We kind of already talked about it. What are the first works? Salvation. What are the first works? Salvation. Me and Tori had an awesome experience. Um, and Tori and Jesus and Tori get all the credit. I had nothing to do. We went to go uh, to Atlanta because of the storm. And um, Mimi's best friend and one of our other little sister's uh, friend was at the house. I was cooking. And Tori just sits him down, tells him to sit down, and she starts teaching him. Brings out all the spot visions and tells him about how the life that they're living is not necessarily the life that they truly want to live. And they know that, but they don't really know how to break free. So she showed them these spots, and she's teaching them. And I'm walking in and out the house cooking. I was barbecuing. And um, Tori's heart was for what the first works. She wanted them to experience what she has already experienced and more. So uh, Tori's asking me to leave the kitchen and come and sit down. And it's just like we go right into ministry from, like, the poof of an air, like, on a drop of a down. You went from the natural world to the spiritual world. This is the first works. So Tori is, in a sense, preaching to them. It's not preaching what you'll see in the pulpit, but really convicting of sin. 
the Holy Spirit really convicting us and saying the life that you're living is not the life that you're called to live. You know anything that's not a faith is sin. So fear and doubt is sin. So that can, you know, be like a reason to convict that sin. Because everybody, in a sense, to the natural mind is not bad. Do you get what I'm saying? Everyone's bad because we're born in sin. But people aren't, in a sense, lawless. They have morals. They have ethics. They don't want to do wrong. But when they haven't received Christ, life is not in them. And it's death abiding. And what is attracted to death is demons. Demons and sin, all these different things. So even though it may not be one of those outrageous things, but just fear, sickness, you know, debt, anything. And you have to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, convict that. Okay? Okay. So Tori's probably testify about this Saturday night. But we get the music playing. Tori's, I want you to listen to it. I just love it, man. She'd be hearing from the Lord. It's sweet. Um, she was like, I want us to listen to this one song. Listen to this one song. And um, she said, if you feel like, in a sense, for better or less words, if you need a change, if you want to receive Christ today, come forward. It's like an old-fashioned altar call. It was tight. <laughs> in the living room. She was, hey, she was tight. And she was like, but the funny thing was she, divert, she diverted it on me and Mimi. So she asked them if they wanted to receive Christ, go to, go to CJ and Mimi. So, so she was like the orchestrator. She was like the conductor or whatever. So my brother DJ, he broke the ice. He came and prayed. DJ received Christ here over two years ago. A long time ago, Gene prayed for him. That's when we first came to the ministry. And DJ really experienced major grace in his life. Extreme graces. Baffling at times. But he came up, he broke the ice. It was sweet. I love, somebody always got to break the ice. You know that, right? People are like, I don't want to go up. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think something wrong with me. All you got to do is break the ice. He broke the ice. And then Tori's little sister brought her friend up. And Mimi just called her friend. She started prophesying. Mimi is a preacher. She is every word of the preacher. She, she just called him straight forward. And she started prophesying to the young man, and, which was her best friend. And then we just started praying. And at the end, so the Lord was working healing before that. Because you know he did that. We always think it's opposite. We should give salvation before we bless them with the healing power of God. But really, we should bless them so they can see that God is real. So healing was taking place. So Tori was just on, on point, man. And she was like, Chris, I want you to pray for these kids, basically, for salvation. And right on the spot, two young people gave their life to Christ. And then you just, yeah, praise the Lord. because. Those are the, and this, this is the first word, given what God gave to you, life, life. Because the young man, Mimi's best friend, was, was, was a broken, disturbed kid. Like when I first, you know, I play, I'm playful. But the shift that happened after, he's completely different to me. It's as if I knew him my entire life. And we were able to play. He was throwing acorns and stuff at me while we was walking. I'm a big dude. This kid was small. I could have like balled him up, but I didn't. Because I was happy that he was able to be open with me and have fun. Kid was broken. And Tori, uh, the, the other young lady, she was just broke up the whole time. Just crying and just weeping, not even knowing what's going on internally. That's, that's the power and the love of God. Those are the first works. We got to return to that. Because we all experience things with God. You know, like, when you go see a movie, I know we probably hear this analogy all the time, but it's just so tight that we, hey, man, you need to go see this movie. The same thing. 
or when we go to a good restaurant. I'm good at that. I'm the one telling myself, oh, I need to go back to that place. But it can be like that. We need to return to that. Declaration, the truth, moving in God's spirit and his power. Because the Holy Spirit is the first move of God. And then you move into the gifts of of the Son. And then you move into the gifts of the Father. And this is how you know you're in the gifts of the Father. I think there's five gifts of the Father. No, there is seven. Look them up. I don't know them all by heart. When there is an open. All, spirit, all of them move like this, the, the Spirit and the Father. But when I know the Father is moving, it's not. I don't want to say it the wrong way. It's like he's depositing things right in your, in your soul. It's like there's not a work being done to conjure. It's like boom, and it's there. But it, it's backed up by the gifts of the Father. So what he's dropping in your soul may line up with mercy. I, the young man, I, I hugged him. I said, sometimes we just need a good hug. And as I was embracing him, like, I could feel him, in a sense, melt. Like, he really needed a good, a good help. But that's mercy. That's the mercy of God. Showing him that I'm concerned with you. I do love you. I do need you. We need to get back to the first works. I'm proud. Shoot, because I was cooking. My mom was on the natural things for substance. Stories was on the spiritual thing. You know, Jesus said his food is to do the will of the Father. Man, that's tough. Are you serious? That's tough. He said his, his food is to do the will of the Father. Oh, boy, we got to go a whole nother place. We got to go. We really have to go a whole nother place. Because before you know it, we think more about what we're going to eat the next meal than what God, what's the next thing God wants us to do. Man, Jesus was tough. He, hey, he was that dude. All right. So we got to get back to those first works. All right. So what are the first works? I said salvation. Here's another thing of the first works. You remember when you first came to Christ, you didn't want to do the things you once did. It's leaving the world behind. If you have kind of pedaled back into the old things, you got to leave them. Whether that be complaining, looking at TV, or you just know what God had removed you from. And we kind of slowly got back to that gossiping. We got to kill that. That's the spirit of division. And that's the, that's the sin God hates the most, division of the brethren. Staying in faith. Like I said, when I first came, I just had a... It was the spirit of faith really in operation, believing for those things without knowledge, without understanding. That's faith and ignorance. God works with it, but God wants us to be knowledgeable because he says we perish for lack of knowledge. All right, staying away from the things we used to have us bound. So for if we've been delivered from drugs, um, habitual habits like sex and uh, revelry, who all knows what revelry is? That's partying, heavy partying, almost to the, to the point of um, riots, just, just straight crap. I, I, was, I was a revelrer, if there was any revelers. I just loved it. I already liked people, so just being wild and drinking and just being crazy, that was, just, that was the atmosphere I was used to before I came into Christ's atmosphere. We can't go back into those things because that's, that's not a part. The first works removed us from those things. All right. This is what I love, and this is for church leaders. And it's for people that, all, all y'all are equipped to be leaders. This is the consequence of not repenting and not doing the first works. He will remove your lampstand quickly. All right, in the very beginning, right before these, chat, right before these verses, it said that the lampstand is the church. Okay, we can look at this very, I'm, this, I'm, I'm about to finish this. I'm only going to do it here. Um, 
We can look at it from, from church as we see it in the modern time. He'll move the actual structure. Okay, say it with me. He will remove the structure that is in place for the church that you're in. So as a leader, if we're not in the first works, I won't say his presence won't be there. I won't, I won't say what's sustaining the structure, the actual church won't be there. But what was once there will not be there because he's removing the lampstand. Church, the word said that Peter, and I love this, Peter was uh, given revelation by God, and he said, Jesus asked me, hey, Peter, who do you say I am? I think he said, um, the Christ, the one true son of God, or the Messiah, or Savior of the world, you know, all those things. And he said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Father in heaven, or God in heaven. And then it goes on, and then it says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Okay, the rock was the revelation of Jesus Christ, of who he was. Upon this rock, I will build my church. So, upon that rock, his church was to build the people. The revelation of Jesus Christ was to build the people. So look at it like this. Whether you're in your leadership or if you have like-minded people around you that are believing in Christ, God said, if you don't return to the first works, I will remove the people quickly out of the church or out of your life. Because that spirit is a contaminating spirit. It's a lackadaisical spirit that jumps on people. If it's not important to you, why should it be important to them? And if we're all in leadership, so if we have that mantle of leadership, we really have to watch what we do and say. We can't take it lightly. The fact that Christ died for us and that, that life he's given us, we're supposed to give it to somebody else. It's wild. It says that in the blood is the spirit. And there's three that agree on earth. It's the blood, the water, and what's the last one? The water, the, the blood, the water, and the word. Or the, or the Bible, I think it says the word. If they're not in agreement, there's no power. The revelation God gave was based on an agreement in heaven before the foundations of the earth was even, was even, was even created. The agreement. It said, let us make men, man in our own image. They had a discussion about the creation. And when we make man in our own image, they will not live to the fullness until I send my son to die for them. That's the revelation that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he was sent for the sins of the world. And if we have an understanding of that, of that and we don't stay to the first works of what Jesus died for. then he's going to start removing the people out of your life. The ones that are there to uplift. And to be your cloud of witnesses. He says he's going to do it quickly too. So you know when people that are good in your life. That are just leaving. <laughs> you, all right. You know where you stand right. And we've all been there. Where you felt like dang, ain't nobody talking to me right now. You know what I'm saying. That first work is, is, is pure love. Can you love? Can you love? You can't love God will remove people. But he doesn't say he'll remove them indefinitely. We can't repent. Okay, and here's the reward. And this is what I love because this is where I really got all um, the hot stuff for. The reward for overcoming. Okay, so he said for those who overcome. 
All right, so for overcoming persecution, for returning to your first love, you're going to be persecuted for going back to the things that you once did, whether it be by people around you or people that don't know you or the people that you're expressing the first love to. In the works, you will receive the ability to eat from the tree of life. This is your reward. What is the tree of life? Okay, this is awesome. The tree of life is the word of God in its fullness. Then the word of God, it will sustain you in all things. So if we stay right with the first works, this is our reward. The word of God will be, it will do what it was intended to do. It will sustain. You remember we talked about we, we need food for sustainment. It will be our nourishment. I just said that. It will sustain you in all things and it will nourish you. Also, the tree of life is eternal life. And John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God. 17, 3, I'm actually going to read it because I have something in here that is just so awesome when you can see how God really wants to speak to us. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Lord, have me break down this scripture. This is, that's eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God. And this is Jesus speaking to the Father, or speaking to uh, his disciples, or Jesus speaking to the disciples for God. I don't remember really how it worked, but the word know. This is what the word know means, that they may know, have knowledge, be resolved, can speak, be sure, and understand. So that they may have knowledge, so that they may be resolved. And the word resolve means firmly determined, that they can speak and be sure and understand that you are the one true God. Man, this is awesome. The word only, and this is all in the scripture. I'm not, I, haven't, I haven't broken it down word for word. The word only signifies one. And that means by themselves. There's no God that can stand next to God. There's no idol that we place in front of God that can compare to God. That they may know you, the one true God. And not the things that the world has tried to put in our faces to get us to focus on. By themselves. All right. That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus, the word Jesus means. It's actually like, I, I guess, I don't know how you say it in um, um, language arts. Or it's like Joshua, Joshua. So what, what would that be called? Annunciation? So Jesus, his name is Joshua, which is actually also Yeshua. And that means... The Lord, or Yahweh, is salvation. So that they may know you, the one true God, and Yeshua. Or that they may know you, the one true God, and the Lord, or Yahweh, which is salvation. That they may know you as salvation. That's, this is eternal life now. That they may know you. Salvation. Y'all know salvation is the whole world. We can break that down all day. But that spirit, soul, body, finances, and relationships. That means there's nothing lacking, nothing missing, nothing, you, know, you don't want anything. And this is what the word Christ means. The anointed, 
And anointed means the consecrated one. The consecrated one means holy. You know, when we get consecrated, God is setting us apart, which means we're holy. He says, be holy before I am holy. But uh, the anointed, Christ also means the anointed, which also means with power. That they may know you, the one true God. And Jesus, the Lord, or Yahweh's salvation. And that they know Jesus Christ, or Jesus, is holy. He is holy. He is holy. Means you cannot go before him as you are. Have you been... Tara experienced this. Tara gave her life and just got changed for God. And her friends can't even talk to her or say things or do things around her because of the holiness God has put on her life. If people aren't changing around you, can you really, can you really tell how, how much you've changed? Holiness, I loved it. Because religion says you can't have a glass of wine. And one of the first spirits I try to jump on a new believer is religion. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a barrier that says you can't do this. this. It's like you get a checklist in your soul. All right, I got to stop doing this. Right, and then before you know it, you moved into the law. And no man could fulfill the law, and that's why Jesus was sent. So they moved into religion. They moved into the law. But God says, I have given you freedom. I've given all things that pertain to life and godliness. If you have a relationship with me, you'll know what pertains to life and godliness. So she moved into holiness, and her friends got erratic. They didn't know what to do. Like, uh... I can't talk, I can't say things, but that's just a sign that God is with her. And I love that. So when we look at God, Jesus, or the anointed, or Christ means, which one is it? Christ the anointed means holy. When it means holy, that means we must present ourselves the right way before him. We must acknowledge who he is. And when it says with power, the anointed, we talk about the anointing of God. Jesus was the anointed. He started the anointing. And he ended the anointing. So that means he is with power. And he's all powerful. The all powerful one. We have to recognize who he. Straight up we have to just recognize. Jesus Christ. Yahweh is our salvation. And he is holy. And he has all power. Christ also means. Messiah. Which means savior. Or freedom. Oh man I love this. It means freedom. No, I'm just going to say it. it means liberator. I love that word. Liberator of a group of people. That's what Christ means. Liberator of a group of people. That they may know you, the one true God, and the liberator of a group of people. If we understand who God, man, he wants to make us free. This, he wants to just give us straight liberty. But this is what the liberty is for. The liberty is to execute God's will without fear. Okay, and this is what, this is what the, the next part is, because this is how I got this. Because at the very end, it says that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. This is what um, who you have sent has mean. It means. It means to send out properly. There was an order for Jesus to be sent. Men had, man had to be completely done with himself. They could not help themselves anymore. They had to, be give, they had to live in the, the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then they had to get the law, and then they had to go through the, uh, what is the, the Vedic, uh, um, I love it because there's so many covenants. You got the covenant, you had the covenant with um, Noah, 
He had a covenant with all these different patriarchs of the, of the Old Testament. They had to go through, this was the order. They had to go through all these things to see that they couldn't match to the holiness of God. That without God, they couldn't make it. So when they got to the end of themselves, when they were the full of themselves, Jesus Christ was sent. There was an order. So it says, the one you have sent, which means sent out properly. There was no greater time for Jesus to be sent. And he was sent on a mission. He was sent forth, sent forth, and he was sent out of heaven. He was sent out of heaven, and he was set at liberty. This is what whom you have sent means, set at liberty to, to execute God's will. Meaning God gave power and authority and dominion, all might, all, all sovereignty to him to execute exactly what God told him to execute. Because remember when he was on the mountain, he could have he just straight destroyed the devil. He knew he was his adversary. He could have wiped them out and let that be that and just say there would have been no more hell on earth or no more, you know, evil. But that wasn't in God's order. It had to be done a certain way. He was set at liberty. Are you set at liberty to do God's will? Think about it. I saw Tori was. Shoot, she didn't care. She said, I don't care if the food burned. She said, these kids getting saved tonight. Proud of her. Are you, set, are, you, are you free enough in God to do his will? And we know what his will is because the word says that, that no man should perish. That's his will. That's the will of the Father. All right, so the next couple of, um, or maybe the next one because, or the next couple of ones, we're going to um, go over the next churches. But when you get down to the sixth church, there's a revelation God gave me. And when I get revelation, I think it's like the best thing the Lord has ever given to anybody. But it's so plain that you can miss it with a naked eye. It's so plain. And God rewards people who are faithful. And what he rewards us with is not necessarily what we always think it's going to be. You know, you were born with gifts and talents that are irrevocable. But there are things that you do in God that gives you access to places that no one else will get. It's like it's, it's set aside for those who will go above and beyond, who will be faithful. We've all had that time where we knew we weren't supposed to do something, but the weight and the pressure of prayer pressure came upon us and we did it. That's, in the word it says that when you do that, it's as if you crucified Christ again. It's amazing, but when, just read it. Just read the churches and ask God to reveal to you. But I was just, you know, doing my, your nightly reading or my, my nightly reading, and I was just like, dang, this is kind of tight. Because John, uh, according to some guests and theologians or people, how they read the Bible, was the closest one to Jesus. So Jesus had his 12. Well, he had 500, then he had 12. And then he had three. And then he had one. And that one was John, and that was the one that was always in his bosom. That's why I laugh, because when I get around Jesus, I'm getting it right out of his bosom. For real. But that's how we got to be with Jesus. Right, right in his bosom. Receiving fresh revelation. But John wrote first, he wrote John and then first, second, third John and then Revelations. It's tight. It's tight. It's awesome. God rewarded him for his faithfulness. And if you know the history of the background, what's happening in the time before John went to the island of Patmos, Christians were just being persecuted. And there was the, the, the gift I'm not even going to tell you. It's just that if you read it, it's plain as day. But that's what we should aspire for. All you have to do is be faithful in what God has asked you to do. That's what I believe that church is considered. That church is considered, which is the Church of Philadelphia, 
and then we're done. The church of Philadelphia is the faithful church. Be faithful in what God has asked you and called you to do without budging. All right, does anybody have any questions? All right, I'm closing. Yes, sir. Does anyone have any questions? You got a statement, but do you have questions? Okay, what's your question? Okay, so that's not right. You should always stop all acts that are not of God when you come to God. Because we just talked about because you're holy. And uh, baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. So if you've expressed or if you've experienced an inward change, you are outwardly expressing to the public, to God, and to the devil that you're not going back to the old life. It also signifies new birth in God. But just because you haven't got baptized doesn't mean you should still dwell in the old life. You should already change that way. And then when you get baptized, God will give you a fresh infilling. And that will be more of a change. Who was at baptism? It was like that. So do we have any more questions? Praise the Lord. Father in heaven, we just thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the way you moved tonight. I, I pray, God, that I expressed your word the way you intended for it to be expressed, and that all those who heard the word are able to receive it, and that it be rooted and grounded on good soil in their soul, God, and that it will grow and it will bear fruit. And that fruit, will sh- and that fruit should remain and will remain. We love you tonight, God. And we ask that your love and your presence stays with us. And that everything that we encounter with you in here, we take it back to our home and we increase it, God. So I ask for a fresh hunger and a fresh thirst for the word, for revelation, and for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.